last night we talked about being united around a common message. So kind of like if you if you think about um, you know the flow of the messages, it's like okay we we um, we are saved, like we encounter the gospel, we're saved, and then now that we are saved by grace, we must submit our lives to the authority of Jesus. And what's the context in which we submit our lives to the authority of Jesus? A community. We submit our lives to the authority of Jesus in a community. And so we're going to talk about um, being united around a common community. So turn with me to Acts chapter 2. The book of Acts chapter 2. United around a common community. So I want to uh, talk about the importance of living in community. About uh, being invested and, and, and committed to a local church community. And I know I'm probably uh, preaching to the choir uh, in many ways because you all are so committed to the church community that you would give up a weekend to come in and hang out um, at, at, at this retreat. But it always bears reminding uh, because, because you know, we, we just start to assume, oh, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm involved. And it's, it's always good to explore what it actually looks like to be involved uh, in God's community and how important it is. And to really refresh our joy and, and commitment uh, around the church. So, again, Acts chapter 2, we're going to start in, at verse 42. Uh, I'll read the scripture, I'll pray, and then we'll dive in. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Would you all pray with me? Lord, thanks for this time where we can once again explore your word. God, I pray that you would speak to us. When we open up your word, you speak. When we read it, you speak. When we discuss it and explain it, when we sing it and pray it, you speak. And Lord, I pray that we would be um, expectant of your word. Lord, would you give me the ability to be able to explain your word, to cherish your word, to love your word. And Lord, I pray that uh, we all together would be united around a common community. And we would love the church and that we would invest in the church and we would enjoy the church. Lord, I pray that uh, you would work unity among us. Lord, we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so not too long ago, um, my wife and I watched all the Marvel movies in chronological order. Has, has anyone ever done that? Where, you know, because kind of when you do it in release order... You're like, okay, what in the world is that? What's the Tesseract? I don't know what that is. Or what happened with Tony Stark? What's going on there? And so we just said, all right, we're, we, we found this graphic on Facebook or something that had all the movies listed in order. And we started watching him. Um, uh, and so uh, Captain America Civil War 
um, is actually one of the few movies where the villain isn't some powerful alien or some like alien titan or some superhuman. Um, he is uh, the, the enemies are really actually themselves. Um, the, so the two team leaders of the Avengers are Tony Stark and Captain America. Tony Stark is kind of like the brash uh, playboy kind of like person who is always like kind of witty and um, is, is kind of like shooting missiles and stuff. And Captain America is like this principled, uh, righteous, golden hearted um, kind of like American hero. And they're fighting over a, a vision of what the team should be. Uh, 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 Tony Stark believes that the team should have accountability uh, by the, 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 the government. And uh, Captain America believes that they should have freedom to be able to, to, to really do what they need to do in order to save the world. And they argue over how they should protect the world and how they should move forward as a team. And they literally engage in battles where the Avengers are severely injured, where people are imprisoned. Everything falls apart with the Avengers. And this is the villain. Uh, Zemo is the villain of the movie. He's actually one of my favorite uh, Marvel villains. He's, he's actually pretty cool. I think Zemo's a smooth guy. I'm like, man, I, like in, in the, uh, what is it? What's the recent show that came out? Um, uh, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like, he was kind of cool in that. Um, but, but he uh, is a normal person other than one superpower. He is really smart. He knows how to set things up to where the Avengers would see each other's past and how they offended each other, and how they really don't like each other. And he would exploit their weaknesses, and he would frame people for crimes they didn't commit so that they would fight one another. And he was able to get them to fight themselves and destroy themselves. He actually didn't really have any superpowers. He, 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 he caused them to be divided amongst themselves and therefore failed to carry out their mission. And family, this is the same thing that the evil one tries to do with the church. This is the same thing the evil one tries to do with the church. He tries to get us to be divided. He starts to go in and he starts to be cunning and expose our weaknesses to one another and get us to argue with one another and to be divided on uh, our, our mission from the Lord. And he, and he wants us to, to destroy each other and devour one another. And one of the ways that we prevent um, this from happening is that we unite around the church. We unite around the church. In an organization like a job or um, a, a company, there's a mission statement, there's a vision statement, and there's strategy, and there's protocol, right? And, you know, oftentimes when we work for companies, we, we, we really don't know what the vision and mission statement is. But oftentimes these things influence the culture, right? Um, and this is the same thing. The church has all of these same things. Jesus has given us a vision statement. It's the book of Revelation. We have a mission. It's the Great Commission to make disciples. Uh, we have rhythms. We have strategies, right? We have the, the, the things that, that are core to who we are and what we do as a people. And here's the, uh, one of the most dangerous things that I really see in our culture, especially on the college campus, is that we have made the church optional. We have made the church optional. Even if we're a part of the church, it's kind of like, ah, I really don't have to be here. I'm just here because I like it, or I'm here because my wife is here, I'm here because my husband is here, or I'm here because I grew up in it. But really, I could really do all of this on my own, is what we sometimes think. Um, and and, and I, I think one of the most controversial teachings of Christianity is the church. 
Like, I almost get no opposition from anything that I teach students on campus. But when I start talking about the necessity of the church, people, like, get frustrated. They're like, sir, why'd you start talking about that at Bible study? Like, you know, we people were confused, and that's, the, the, you know, the, the, the divisive, and people are, like, that. Like it's, it's weird. Out of all the things I talk about, that's always the thing that, like, causes ripple effects through students. In, in generations past, you know, when the Reformation was happening, like, when we look at the Shorter Catechism, there's really only a few questions on the church because, you know, that was not necessarily uh, – the necessity of the church wasn't controversial. Like, who was the true church and false church was kind of controversial. But everyone knew you kind of needed the church. What was controversial was, like, justification and, like, uh, how the scripture should be interpreted. But now I think the, the, one of the most controversial things in our society – is the necessity of the church and how the church plays a role in our Christian lives. There, and there are many reasons why people abandon the church. One could be missiological. Uh, we doubt the church's mission. We don't actually think the church can fulfill its mission. We've lost hope that the church can make a difference in our lives and in the community. We see the church as a useless and irrelevant organization. We say, oh, you know, the church just doesn't work anymore. Maybe it's personal. Uh, maybe we've been hurt, personally hurt by the church or we're dissatisfied with the church. Um, maybe we see the church as having too many issues. We're, we're on the fringes of the church because we say, oh, the church is too judgmental, it's too closed-minded, or it's anti-fill-in-the-blank. Maybe it's historical. When we look at the church's history, we're really looking at um, ab- abuses and, 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 and failed moments of history. And we're like, how can I be a part of something that has done that? Or maybe it could be theological. Maybe we've just changed our beliefs about the church. Maybe we've reached a quote-unquote new and better understanding about how to actually live out the Christian life. That we really think it's just best to be able to do, um, to have a few Christian friends and to read my Bible regularly, and that's really all I need. Um, however, Jesus wants us to unite around the church. And maybe, and maybe, you know, like I said, I'm likely preaching to the choir because y'all are you're committed enough to give up a weekend. This, this can help us to um, see our neighbors and see our, um, our, our, our friends in a, different, in, in a different light and to be able to share this, this with them, to invite them to unite around the church. And so what is the church? What is the church? The, church, the, the, the basic definition of the church is the people of God. It's the people of God, however, uh, whenever you find them. And this is why there's many different ways of talking about the church in the scriptures. The church is in the Old Testament and it's in the New Testament. It's the same people of God in the Old, same people of God in the New. And we see it in many different modes and forms. The church can appear as an organization. The church is an organization. It has government. It has its uh, formality, its structures, its leaders. And the church is an organism. As the church is scattered uh, everywhere in their jobs and in their homes, it's like a living, breathing, moving thing. And we can use the word church in a different way. A church is a particular body of people united around the worship of Jesus. You know, uh, Gainesville Presbyterian Church is a church. But there's the capital C, the church, which is the uh, body of believers all over the globe. And there's also two different ways of looking at the church. There's the church visible and the church invisible. The church visible is the way that we see the church. There's not really two churches. It's just two different ways of looking at the one church. We see 
people who have professed faith in Christ, that's the only way we know who are members of the church, right? When they tell us that they believe in Jesus and they are baptized. It's like, okay, yeah, you are part of the church. But then there's a church invisible the way that God sees the church. God knows who are true believers and who are not. Who have, have actually placed their, their trust in Jesus uh, and who uh, has a superficial uh, commitment to the Lord. So there's many different ways that we can look at the church. And um, we, we, we also have to ask the question when we're talking about the church. When we're talking about being united around the church, we have to ask, what is the church? And what is the difference between a church and another organization? Oftentimes, we tell the students, RUF is not a church. RUF is not a church. Because, honestly, if I'm being honest, most of the students probably think that. And so I have to, and, they're probably, and they have like questions like, what? what do you mean? This is like... Aren't you a pastor and aren't we gathering together for the word? Like, what do you mean? And I have to explain to them that um, there's several different things that churches do that like Christian, uh, what they call parachurch organizations don't do. RUF's not a parachurch organization. We're a sliver of the full expression of the church. And so even organizations can be a part of the church, but say, hey, like, like, like a Wednesday night youth group or like a, a, a Tuesday night Bible study. It's like, hey, this is a part of the church, but we want you to be invested in the full expression of what the church is. The church, um, it gathers together on Sunday. Um, it, that's one of the things it normally does. And the church is centered on the word. It preaches the word. So a church must preach the word. Secondly, it must do baptism in the Lord's Supper. In other words, it must do the sacraments. And thirdly, it must do formal discipleship. It must uh, be committed to the formal growth of its members and also committed to the discipline of its members when its members are leading us going astray. The church needs to be able to grab them and pull them back in. Uh, RUF, we don't do the sacraments and we don't do formal discipleship. We don't, we don't discipline students. We don't do church discipline at RUF. That would, go, that would be really weird to do, to do church discipline uh, among RUF. Um, all the students would just leave. They'd be like, what is this? We're gone. Um, and, and we, we, we don't do necessarily formal discipleship. We're not bringing in members, and we're not uh, uh, holding um, people um, uh, accountable to, to, their, to their spiritual growth. So when I say commit and unite around the church, this is what I'm talking about. The church is, contrary to popular belief in our, in our society, it is an institution, it's an organization and an organism. It is both local and global and it submits under leaders and has a way of being, a way of moving, a rhythm. And it actually is supposed to do certain things. And Jesus has given the church to preach the word, to administer the sacraments, and to formally grow and disciple Christians. Um, and so I, I just want to give four, I think three or four quick reasons why you should join this, the, the church. This, this, this group that I'm talking about, why you should invest in it and give yourself to it and invite others into the life of the church. And we see this in our passage. It, it, I think it's beautiful that the Apostle Peter gives one of the, really the first gospel presentation after Jesus, at least the first recorded gospel presentation after Jesus has ascended. And what instantly happens after, after he gives his gospel presentation? People are baptized and they start to spend all their time together. And they start to do things together. Uh, to, because to follow Jesus is to be uh, deeply united with Jesus' church. And really you see this in the Old Testament. 
there, there's these interesting phrases. Have y'all seen this in the Bible? It says, if any person does this, they will be cut off from the people. Have y'all heard of that in the Bible? It's like, you know, what is going on there? Like, why is it like cut off from the people is almost like, hey, you can't hang out with it anymore. It's like, why is, why is that so important? Why is that such a major punishment? Because to be cut off from the people was to be cut off from God himself. To be cut off from Yahweh's people was to be cut off from Yahweh himself. Was to be cut off from Yahweh's word. To be cut off from Yahweh's temple. Was to be cut off from Yahweh's king. To be cut off from Yahweh's rules and statutes. It was, it was essentially you were disconnected from God. And the same thing in the New Testament. Um, that to be, to be our, 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 our Westminster standards say that there's no ordinary possibility of salvation outside of the church. Because the church is where God dwells, is where his spirit is, is where his word is preached, is where Christians are sustaining and growing and encouraging each other. And we see that in this passage. To know Jesus is to walk with and know the church. And so why should we unite around the church? Number one, because you will grow there. You will grow there. You will grow among the church. So I oftentimes tell students that... Um, being a part of the church is like being a pearl. Have y'all have, have y'all ever seen a pearl? A pearl is a beautiful piece of jewelry. Um, pearls have been treasured possessions for centuries. Um, there are farm-grown pearls, and then there are wild-grown uh, pearls, and these are very rare and beautiful. Uh, but with all of a pearl's beauty and luster, you know how scientists think they're made is when they, they think that in the mouth of an oyster, a piece of sand or a little irritant gets in the mouth of an oyster. And the oyster tries to deal with the irritant, so it like places layers and layers of this material over this irritant until uh, eventually like you open the mouth of an oyster and you have a pearl. What starts out as an irritant is made into a beautiful and rare gem. And this would never happen if that irritant wasn't inside of the oyster's mouth. And family, this is what it's like to be a part of the church. When we first believe in Jesus, although we're made new and we're excited and we have this new life, we're irritants. You know, we're, 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 not, we're not really. That's, that's not the full story of who we are. We, God loves us and God values us. But don't we do a really amazing stuff because we're not Christians? But don't we also still do really, really dumb and destructive things, Right? It's like this combination of beauty and like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that. Like, I totally like crushed my friendship with that person because of my sin. Or I totally didn't mean to say that and that was horrible. I can now never show my face among that friend group again. <laughs> or is, uh, man, I really harmed that person. Or I was totally out of line in that dating relationship. Even though we are still Christians, even though we are uh, learning how to be generous and we're learning how to do all these amazing things. We're learning how to be self-sacrificial. We're learning how to be discouraging, but we still have so much to work on. And even now, you know, no matter where you are in your walk with Jesus, we have growing to do. Am I right? And the only way that we can move from being irritants to a rare, beautiful gym. In other words, we can move from being an immature baby Christian to Christian maturity it's through being in the church. The church is your oyster, Christian. So you must be in the oyster's mouth. And our passage points to three major ways that, that we grow um, when we become baptized members of the church. So in verse 41, they were baptized. And then it shows us what they started doing. 
it says that they grew through the apostles' teachings, which was basically the Bible, the Word of God. They grew through the breaking of bread, which is a way of referring to the Lord's Supper, or just, you know, being together in general. Uh, and through the prayer, they prayed together. These are, you know, if the church was like a, a, a corporate organization, this is the strategy of the church, or this is the, 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 the way of life of the church. Through these things, Jesus meets with us and transforms us, giving the fullness of life. The Bible uh, calls these, uh, these things the means of grace. These are the means or the instruments through which God exercises his grace towards us. He loves us. Um, but don't we so often neglect these means of grace or um, don't we engage in rituals and habits that disrupt the means of grace in our lives? The, the ways that the oyster is putting the material over us? Um, we, we, we think, oh, you know what, it, it, it's okay if I don't, um, you know, get exposed to the word this week. Or, oh, you know, I really don't need to be praying this week. Prayer is kind of optional. Or, you know, I really don't need to take the Lord's Supper. Huh? It's okay, I can skip it today. And, you know, and really what we're doing is we're missing out on the ways that God wants to grow us. The way that he wants to stretch us and improve us. The way he wants to invest in us. And uh, I often think of Christian growth. Have you ever had a meal that brought you from sickness to health? I've never had that. I've never had one game-changing meal that like just brought me from like um, high blood pressure to low blood pressure. You know what I mean? Or like that brought me from you know diabetes and brought me out of diabetes. Like oh, that was the meal that you have to cook it, and if you eat it, it will change. No, that's not how eating works, right? How does good dieting work? It happens. Through making small good decisions day by day, meal by meal, consistently over a long period of time, right? Isn't this how losing weight works or gaining weight? Um, I'm always trying to gain weight because I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm I, I used to be bonier, but I'm getting a little better because I'm, I'm a dad and put on dad weight a little bit. But like, I want to gain weight. And, and they say that you have to eat three heavy meals a day. Like, they say, you should sooner skip a meal than skip a workout. I mean, you should sooner skip a workout than skip a meal. And so oftentimes I'm like, oh, man, like, you know, I'm eating dinosaur chicken nuggets because that's like parenting life some nights. And, you know, I'm just going to bed barely. But it's like I have to make those consistent good uh, decisions if I actually want to reach the growth goals. And that's what it's like as Christians. We build habits that allow us to make consistently uh, good decisions day by day that put us in the mouth of the oyster and keep us in the mouth of the oyster. Uh, it's the same thing. It's, it's like a home. Uh, in a home, you grow up there. Um, you have boundaries uh, there. You have uh, leadership in the home and your love there. Uh, this is what the church is like. It shapes us. It forms us by being in it. And when we get out of our homes, we don't realize how much of our homes shape us when we get in other people's homes, right? When, when we go away and we meet other people and they say, oh, we didn't do that growing up. And it's like, you didn't? People didn't do that growing up? I thought everybody did. And it's like, no, it's just you and your home, right? That's what the church is like. When, 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 we, when we, the church shapes us in unseen ways when we invest in it. Because it has the apostles' teachings, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Uh, okay, let's see here. Sorry. Oh, whoops. All right, I got ahead of myself. I kind of already talked about the second thing. Um, because you, you, you should be united around the church because you have family there. You have family there. 
like I said, it's like being in a home. We're shaped by family. We don't realize, like, and, and, and someone once told me this. They said, you are who your friends are. You are who your friends are. And basically what they're saying is the people you put yourself around, they rub off on you. They shape you. They, they influence what's plausible to you, what's believable to you. They influence what's um, in, implausible and what you can never see yourself doing. It's the people you put yourself around. And we see that the church in this passage, they were a family. They did life together. It said the fe- they, they committed themselves to the fellowship. And it says this. Um, it says they shared each other's possessions. They worshiped together daily. Um, they, they, they had all things in common. They were generous towards each other. It says they ate meals together regularly. Um, and, and in verse 46, they, they attended the temple together and, and broke bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts. It says they did this day by day at the beginning of verse 46. Um, and they had a great time together. There was awe and wonder among them in verse 43. All came upon every soul. In verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. They had a great time. As if, Sorry, I'm, I know I'm not keeping up with uh, the screen over here. I'm jumping all over the place. <laughs> um, so we, we see that they were a joyful family that spent a lot of time together um, and did life together. And here's the thing. Oftentimes we, we don't join the church because the church can be a messy place, right? When you're family, you don't get to choose who your family is. Sometimes you're family with people you don't like. Can we be honest? Sometimes our brothers and sisters in Christ, we don't like them. They get on our nerves. It may be their personality. It may be whatever it might be. Maybe they remind us of somebody we didn't like in the past. But oftentimes, we, uh, in, in, in church, we shy away from it because we believe that church should be this place that's this, like, u- utopia where sin doesn't exist and where I should like everybody and every moment should be fun and I should just feel great all the time. And it's like, no, families are hard. The deeper you press into any relationship, the harder it gets. Isn't this why uh, being best friends with people is so hard? Isn't this why marriage is so hard? The more intimate you are with someone, the closer you are to someone, the harder that relationship is. But when you invest in it and work in it, um, it, can, it can be a beautiful thing. And this is what it's like with the church. That when we see drama in the church, we don't run away from it. We don't complain about it. We realize that Jesus is, is doing something beautiful that, 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 that wouldn't happen if there wasn't that drama, if there, if, if there wasn't that friction. And so, just, just like in family, Jesus invites us to press deep in love and self-sacrifice and fellowship and prayers and breaking meals together, even when there's friction. Okay, number one, uh, we, we should unite around the church because we'll grow there. Number two, we'll find family there. Number three, because you will find joy there. Already, I kind of got, got ahead of myself as well. The passage says that the church was praising God, and it says they had favor with all the people. They were praising God. Like there was a, it was a community of joy. Like exciting things were happening among the church. Uh, this means that they delighted in God. We're like we're praising God. We delight in God. And because they delighted in God, their neighbors were delighting in them. When it says they had favor with all the people, it was like the people liked the fact that they were there. The people were glad that Christians were there. Because when Christians were there, things were different. Things changed. People got healed. People's lives were changed when the church showed up. 
But don't we often sometimes struggle to find joy with God and with people? And sometimes we're just like, oh, you know, I, I, I'm really struggling to press in and, and, and find joy in my relationship with God and, and find joy uh, in other people. And uh, I wonder if it's because sometimes we don't take the church seriously. Like a lot of times, I think this generation is, is one of the loneliest generations. Aren't we all really lonely? Not, 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 not in, in, in differing degrees in different stages of life. But just life has gotten to the place where um, we're all very disconnected, right? Like where, where we, well, uh, like it's, it's become more easier than ever to travel places. So like oftentimes more and more people are disconnected from family. It's become, uh, COVID has made us all really comfortable with Zoom. So, you know, oftentimes it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I don't actually feel like being with people in person. I'll, I'll sign on through Zoom. And pixels can never replace people. And oftentimes, like, do y'all remember the days where the Internet didn't exist? I barely remember it. I'm acting like I'm older than I am. But, but where if you had to find out something, guess what? You actually asked people. I asked Google now or Siri, you know. I'm like, man, like, whenever I do it, it's just so easy to do it really quick. Like, I'm driving in the car, like, hey, Siri, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I, had, I used to have to call somebody, and I might, have to, and I might have had to call multiple people in order to figure out something. Like, we, we're a generation that is disconnected from actual real people. And not to mention social media. That social media, it, it is a great tool. It's a great blessing. I love social media. But also... It disconnects us from people. It fools us into thinking that we actually have relationships with people that we do not know because we are so used to looking at the pixels that give us an illusion of them, right? More than ever, um, we can feel lonely and our Christian lives do not have joy. And could it be is because we're not actually meaningfully, deeply invested in a in a in a people that physically meets and physically does life together called the church more than ever my students say you know what like i i don't i don't uh go to church but i watch my pastor from back home on on youtube and it's like that's amazing i'm so glad you're listening to a sermon on sunday but you got to get out of your house and like connect with people in person and you got to like go to a, a a gathering of the saints and be hugged and be encouraged and be prayed over and like be involved in the life of the church like that would that in many ways will i think will solve a lot of the issues of depression with with folks in our life that they need to be connected to other people in meaningful meaningful and spiritual ways and lastly we ought to be united around the church because we will find salvation there we will find salvation there so I love it in this passage, it says that at the very end, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I love that. I think that's my favorite part of this verse because it challenges uh, me. It challenges me. Uh, it's like, man, I, like we, we have to be living because I, I, I think one, one bad rap that the church gets is that we're just like this Christian huddle. And we're not outwardly focused, and we don't want to serve the community, and we don't want to reach out to, to non-Christians. And this challenges us. It shows us that new people should be coming in our midst, and that people should be finding out uh, about what the Lord is doing because we are living out the Christian faith as the church. Um, because we're living out the Great Commission. And so we, we, we ought to see conversions, and we should expect Jesus to save people who have never had any part in the church. 
And this and this happened because again the, the church was an outwardly focused group, constantly loving people who were not in their midst and inviting them to know the beauties of Jesus. And so these four things are why we should join the church. I think I think I, one of the most beautiful things um, about seeing uh, Jesus add to their number day by day is that it gives us a, a purpose. Right? I remember when I was a Christian in college, you know, one of the things I appreciated most about Jesus is that he gave me a purpose. He gave me a mission. It's like, oh, like I actually know the things that I need to be doing with my with my friends and with my in my dorm and with uh, my community. I need to be outwardly focused, moving towards them and serving them. Jesus invites us into a higher story, a higher purpose, a higher calling to advance his kingdom. Um, and so, Christian, um, what do we do with this? Let's renew our commitment to the local church. Let's renew our commitment to the local church. Let's continue to think of ways and find ways where we can more deeply invest, where we can more deeply uh, sacrifice, where we can uh, invest in serving others. Uh, let, let's find ways where we can continue to show up daily and make the church our oyster. Uh, if, if, if you're not yet a member of a church, uh, become a member of a church. This is the way that you, be, you kind of get into the oyster. You become an official, uh, in many ways, become like an, a, a, a um, yeah, like, like an official Christian. Like you're like, hey, I've let everyone know I'm a Christian. Uh, the elders have heard my profession of faith. And on behalf of Jesus, they have kind of declared to all the other Christians that I am a part of the family. You're kind of officially taking on the last name of the family. And, 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 and you're growing. You're, you're taking the Lord's Supper. You're, you're being in the midst. You're in the fellowship. And so this is just a reminder that as we are uniting, if we're going to be united as a church, we must be united around a common mission, a common vision, a common strategy as Jesus' organization called the church. Um, and some of you might be thinking, you know what? That sounds really scary. Like, I'm cool with, you know, kind of being coming to fun things like the retreat and or maybe, you know, coming every once in a while around. But really, like, it sounds really scary to invest in a community like this. Um, and it is really scary. I think it is really scary. It is scary to, to invest and to give yourself into a community uh, that, 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 that um, will call you into vulnerability, that will call you into being known and knowing others, that will call you into service and will call you into, into giving your money and giving your time and your talents. It is a scary thing. And oftentimes we have trauma or baggage. We've been hurt by the church or we've been burned by investing in a community in this way. But here's the thing. The church isn't like the Avengers. The church isn't like uh, the Avengers in Captain America Civil War. At the end of the movie, you're wondering if, if Tony Stark and Captain America are, are going to be together, uh, if, if, if they're going to be united. You see people are injured, and Winter Soldier is going in cryogenic sleep because he doesn't know how to be cured from his violent brainwashing. He keeps hurting people. And you're kind of leaving, at the end of the movie, you're wondering, will the Avengers ever get it together, right? And don't we sometimes wonder, but when we look at what's going on with the church in, in, in our country and just, you know, in different places around the globe, it's like, are we going to get it together? <laughs> and here's the thing. I'm hopeful for the church because Jesus loves the church. Jesus loves the church. The only reason I can be a part of the church is because Jesus loves it. 
I wouldn't be here if we didn't have a good leader. I'm going to have to leave, y'all. This is, this, is, this is scary. The only way I can be here is if Jesus is in the midst, if Jesus by his spirit is guarding and protecting and sustaining us. Uh, under Jesus' leadership, like I said, the, the church, uh, really un- unlike uh, Captain America and Tony Stark, the church doesn't have divided leadership. Church officers may be divided on certain issues. Um, the diaconate may be divided on certain issues. But we have one king, and his name is Jesus. Even though we are divided, the actual king, the, the only one who has real authority, um, who is the source of all authority, is one. And Jesus is leading us back on track. With us or without us. This is what the beginning of the book of Revelation is all about. He, Jesus goes to every church and he's saying, hey, I love the church and I will purify the church. And he says, hop on board with me. And Jesus invites us into this. Uh, unlike Captain uh, America Civil War, the church um, doesn't have surface level fixes for deep wounds under Jesus' leadership. Jesus, by the power of his spirit, actually brings deep healing to us. He brings deep healing. Unlike Captain America Civil War, we don't end the story of the book of Acts, and we don't end the story of history wondering if the church will actually ever be united. We have a vision of revelation of the church being united under Jesus' authority, praising Jesus, rejoicing in Jesus. Unlike uh, the, the Captain America Civil War, uh, we aren't worried about if the church will ever one day get it together. It, the, the Bible tells us that Jesus will have his bride uh, arrayed in beautiful garments. And these are the righteous deeds of the saints. And it says the bride has made herself ready. And Jesus will present the church to himself in beauty and glory and splendor. This is the end of our story as the church. To be perfect, to be whole, and to be uh, eagerly expecting the love of our King Jesus. Yes, it is really scary to be part of the church because we are because being a part of any family is scary because it takes sacrifice, but it's also beautiful. There's also a bright future and we're in the hands of a good king who will uh, watch out and take care of his people. So, y'all unite around the church because there we will find growth. We will find family. We will find joy and we will find salvation. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to know you through your church. God, in your wisdom, you have decided that you want to be known through a people. You have invited us, uh, who started out as irritants, to be partners with you in what you're doing in the world. So, God, I pray that you would... You would transform us. You would mold us. You would grow us to be more at harmony with each other in the church. Lord, I pray that we would be united around the same vision of the church, the same mission of the church. Lord, I pray that we would be united in the same rhythms and that we would fellowship with one another and eagerly desire the word. And Lord, I pray that you would increase our hunger for um, being present in each other's lives and investing in each other's lives, sharing all things with one another, giving and being sacrificial with our time and talents and treasures in ways that hurt. Lord, I know I need this. Holy Spirit, I pray that I would know the joy of being connected to your people and being united among your people. Lord, I ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.
edificio 